It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hour number two of Green and Growing. Hey, thanks for being here. Ashley Frasca with you for the next two hours. Starting to see a little bit of the first of daylight outside. It may be a little chilly. It's only going to warm up to around the mid-50s today. So if you're going to do some yard work, you may want to put a a light windbreaker, a light coat on, at least until you start really working heavily out there and start working up a sweat. Well, we have a full show today. Uh, always excited for this time of year. It's my second spring now hosting the show, or at least getting ready for spring. So we're getting into a busy time of year, and we will get back to your calls at the bottom of the hour at 730-404-872-0750. And then in hour number three, of course, Pike Nursery comes along to talk about something edible, something fun, something colorful and beautiful. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. But yeah, so my friend uh, Stacia Kelly with the Georgia Forestry Commission, uh, my thanks to her. I'm always able to just call her and be like, hey, I have an idea for the show. I want to work through it with you. You know, do you have any experts? Do you have any guests that can help me with that? And she did just that. She connected uh, me with Troy Clymer, Associate Chief of Forest Management with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Miss Ashley. How are you doing this morning? So, radio debut or nah? No, not my first one. (laughs) All right. Well, I am glad to put you back on the radio, and I'm I'm excited to have folks uh, listen to our conversation, Troy. You know, I was telling you, like, this is not an interview. It just was something that I was thinking throughout the week. Uh, I think back on March 3rd was like World Wildlife Day. And that seems like such a big, you know, international effort, something beyond our comprehension. Why should we even pay attention? It's just a cute little hashtag on social media. But I wanted to kind of localize that for us and for our listeners to the show. I don't always just want to talk about lawns and gardens. I want to really think about the bigger picture, you know, in the environment. So I think you're just the guy to do that when we're thinking about forest land in Georgia. Um, So first of all, Troy, I kind of want to ask you, what constitutes a forest? Like if I'm off Boulevard in East Atlanta versus, you know, the hills of the North Georgia mountains and I'm seeing trees, you know, as far as the eye could see, what do we call a forest here in our state? Well, I'd say a lot of times when we're looking at the forest, uh, we're looking at anything that's got trees growing in it, uh, looking at anything from a newly new forest that's, you know, less than a year old and up to, you know, trees that are uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. And, and Georgia is a good place for our forest. We have 24 million acres of forest land throughout the state. Holy so cow. Two-thirds, yeah, so two-thirds of our landscape is in forest. And uh, from a forester perspective you know we look at it and you see you know you got your rural forest uh with your large expanses like you were talking about and then you also get into your local communities and uh cities and and we have uh, our community forest or our urban forest uh so so uh, when we're looking at that uh throughout the entire state and the impact that those trees make each day from uh, stabilizing our soil to purifying our air and, and uh, keeping our water clean. You know, the difference that, that can make throughout our state is, is is huge. Absolutely. And we had Gerald, a caller on the show, just a little bit ago, and he's like in the Cascade area. And that's funny because he used that buzzword. He used, you know, I'm in an urban forest. Um, so when when folks in the cities where there's more asphalt, there's more sidewalks, there's more buildings, um, when they're thinking about, you know, contributing to the overall environment, 
and and nature and all of that, what good does planting just a tree or two here or there do for them and for the community? I would say the the, the biggest part part for planting is just making sure you have a plan and uh, and and managing your the timber resource, whether it's whether you've got a a half acre or you've got a hundred acres. Uh, so, so working with a consultant forester, or if you're in the city, working with an arborist, uh, th- those two uh, uh, are key key ideas to help you accomplish what you're looking to accomplish on your land. And so, those trees, like I said, they they help stabilize uh, our soil. Uh, they're as it, when it rains or when we have storm surges, uh, they're helping to. Uh, mitigate the the storm flow through throughout our landscape. They're also catching that water and slowing it down so it doesn't cause uh, massive erosion. Uh, it's, it's purifying our air. Uh, trees they take in carbon dioxide and they turn it into oxygen. Uh, they also take that carbon and store it in the tree itself as mm-hmm. well as into the root systems and into the ground. So so it has has uh, really good uh, benefits there. Uh, so so. So through through that, uh, you're helping you're helping the landscape overall. Uh, it also provides uh, the forest also provides good habitat for our wildlife uh, species uh, throughout throughout its different what we would call successions or or ages. Uh, so so it has many benefits. Uh, so just planting a tree here and there it does make a difference because if you're planting a tree and your neighbor's planting a tree and that yeah. neighbor's planting a tree. Uh, all that comes together, and, and you get one good community uh, of a forest in in those urban areas. You know, and I'm afraid we might start getting some calls, you know, as folks are spending more time outdoors now as the weather improves, Troy, that, you know, oh, my gosh, I've got coyotes or even an occasional black bear here or there. Deer are always a problem that gardeners are just always going to bang their head against the wall trying to figure out how to outsmart the deer and the squirrels. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think with more coyote spottings and maybe even bears occasionally, some of that is due to construction and deforestation. Would you agree? Uh, yes, I would say throughout throughout uh, time, especially up in Atlanta, as, as, you, as, you, as the world continues to expand and grow and, and people move out in more uh, rural areas, uh, you, you'll see that impact and you'll see more wildlife. And, and uh, you know, we see that as you know that's uh that expanse we don't we we you know we we don't want to see that expanse too great but uh mm-hmm. yeah you can expect to see some wildlife uh as you move further out and and uh you know as we're in the woods every day we enjoy seeing seeing yeah. that wildlife and uh seeing the beauty of of nature work and you know as foresters you know we want to see see trees managed properly uh we want to continue to grow and uh, be able to harvest and thin and and uh, manage our timber in a in a sustainable proper way uh, so that way that we're we're taking into account um, of soil the water the wildlife um, you know and, and the timber resource and recreational opportunities uh, that that our forest provides so so those are key key factors that we take in every day yeah and and you talked about, you know, the advantages of us working as individuals. If the neighbor plants a tree and you've done it and then the next neighbor growing more than 331 million seedlings annually, that's a number you gave me. That's enough to plant over half a million acres. So is that being done? What is that number exactly? 
Uh, yes, ma'am. That is that is occurring. Uh, that that and that's in that's in our state. Wow. So, uh, we're growing. Uh, we're growing forty eight percent more timber each year than what we're harvesting. So so we're very sustainable. Um, and and being forty eight percent more, it, it does show that there's opportunities for more markets for timber. And uh, and for a lot of your viewers that are listening, I would I would say that. You know they they have an impact in that uh, every day, and and they have it through the choices that they're making, you know from from what they're purchasing. So when they go to the store and they buy a box of cereal, mm-hmm. uh, when they go on that dot com and they and they order, um, you know, whatever little gadget they get, and three four days later it shows up in a nice box on their on the front porch. You know all that uh, when they go and order a pizza and it shows up in that box. You know that. <laughs> that's all that's all an impact that that consumer's making each day and so whether they realize it or not through those choices they give the opportunity of a landowner uh that encourages that landowner to uh, and it and it enables that landowner to be able to properly manage their property and it encourages them to also when they do cut trees to plant and uh, another part of that is for every tree that's cut in Georgia, we're planting anywhere from three to five back to take its place. So, so those are pretty, uh, pretty key things that that probably most people who don't even own uh, an acre of of forest land don't realize that impact that they're making through that choice. Yeah, and my my dad's been in the construction industry for close to 50 years. And, you know, as a kid, I was always curious about that, too, when I see just acres and acres leveled, you know, for a new shopping mall or a new apartment complex or whatever the case may be. You know, I know there's some responsibility The the person driving by may not see the tree replacement in that exact area, obviously, because a new building has overtaken it. But it's so good to hear you say that for every one we take down, there's at least three to five, six more that are being planted. Um, when y'all track like the number of seedlings that are planted annually and stuff, does that large number come from like affiliations? Like, you know, during Georgia Arbor Day, you know, there was small organizations that were giving out seedlings and even Georgia Power does that. I mean, do y'all take that into that number? Uh, we have different uh, research agencies okay. uh, that, that track that kind of thing. The U.S. Forest Service uh, tracks a lot of it through uh, what we have, what we call forest inventory and analysis data. And uh, we have plots that are put in throughout the uh, entire state. There's 6,000 of them, and, and they're permanently set in place. And we go back and we check those plots every five years. And so a lot of our research data comes comes from that information so uh, so that we can uh, so that we can make good, responsible decisions on the ground. And like I said, tw- that 24 million acres of forest land yeah. throughout the state, that's, we've been averaging 24 million for uh, probably since the 1960s. Wow. And we have more forest land now than we did in the 1930s. Uh, so those are, those are, those are key, key things that we track and, and we want to make sure. So, so that way we can show that, that forestry is sustainable, that yeah. we are making good decisions, that our landowners are empowered and, and that they're able to manage their land. Cause that, and that's another part of it in Georgia that's pretty unique is, is 90% of the property throughout Georgia is owned by private uh, private landowners. Okay. So so that's that's pretty that's, – that's and I'm 
I'm pretty sure that's the most out of any state in in our nation. Wow. See, and to sustain that number, 24 million acres of forest land in Georgia and maintain that over decades, that's why forest management and what you do with Georgia Forestry Commission, Troy, is so important. Well, people around the world rely on ecosystems and the sources provided by forests and forest species for livelihoods, which I want to talk to you about coming up, and just basic needs like food and shelter and medicines. You know, you think in other countries where they really rely on medicinal herbs and things like that that are grown. Us, not so much when you just want to go to the drugstore and pick something up. But yeah, I definitely want to talk about Georgia's forest industry and the impact there and how it provides you with a livelihood and so many others, what you guys really do on a day-to-day basis. We're going to take a break, and check traffic and weather, and we'll be right back with Troy Clymer from the Georgia Forestry Commission right after this on Green and Growing. Stay tuned. Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update here today. It's going to reach the mid-50s, partly cloudy and lows overnight between 30, 34 degrees, and then sunshine in the forecast as far as I can see Sunday through Wednesday, so that's great news. Your complete forecast comes up in less than 10 minutes here on WSB. I've got another couple of minutes with my guest Troy Clymer with the Georgia Forestry Commission. And, you know, Troy, we were talking about forests and how they're able to sustain wildlife and all of these things that are so important to, you know, to us as a as a society, really, but also contributing to the livelihood of folks like you. So what exactly, you know, as Associate Chief of Forest Management, what does your job entail? Well, I look at I look, I look at my job as keeping the state of Georgia's forest healthy. And so that may impact. Um, so, so I spend a lot of time working with our foresters who are, who are our frontline foresters who are in the field, working with our landowners, working with our loggers. Uh, working with our consultant foresters and in our industry, uh, so so that's uh, so I, I'm supporting them, giving them the resources they need so that they can go out and 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 have that impact on the land. Uh, so that that's a key part of what I do, and like I said, helping keep the keep our forest healthy. Um, you know that entails uh, thinning tracks when they need to be thinned, uh, prescribed burning uh, to to mitigate uh, fuel loads in our throughout our forest to to keep uh, the threat of wildfire at bay. So when we do have wildfires, it's, it's not catastrophic and we're not on the news. Um, So that's, that, that's a key part. And then also doing uh, managing for uh, invasive species that are coming in through, through our ports or, uh, or insect and disease issues throughout the state. So making sure that we can, we can uh, come in and, and try to mitigate those issues, um, here the past few years helping landowners through uh tornado damage or 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 like hurricane michael you know making that impact on the ground uh to where that resource can be utilized and sustainably managed for future generations because uh you know as i move on i want to be able to hand that torch to the next forester absolutely Uh, and we've got to keep the little ones in mind too and pique their interest in things but you mentioned invasive species i've had dr david coyle from clemson university on and like emerald ash borer things that you guys are aware of that you're looking out when you're able to look at the forests on a much broader wider scope and kind of see the impacts of some of those invasive species you're right it's so important to get to ahead ahead of time. Well, Troy, I'm going to hold you over because I've got a great question from Ed and Marietta coming up about lumber prices. And I know that may be a complex answer, 
but one that you uh, will definitely have some good info on. So stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing. We'll be right back on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. He said it. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. And right now, we're continuing the conversation about trees. I've got Troy Clymer with the Georgia Forestry Commission on with me. My thoughts were spurred by World Wildlife Day. Just I wanted to educate all of you a little bit about uh, forest land in Georgia Troy, you said 24 million acres of forest land in Georgia. About how much of Georgia is covered in forest? Uh, yes, ma'am. So 24 million acres, that's about two-thirds of the state, is in timberland. And uh, that that forest is contributing to a $36.5 billion economic engine in the state. Uh, and that's contributing to 141,000 jobs out there throughout the state as well, compensating employees at around $8.6 billion. So uh, the forest impact is, is huge in the state, so we want to be sure to maintain and keep our forest, you know, healthy and and uh, and uh, at that $24 million mark, and, and maybe we can start increasing it a little bit. And Georgia's forest industry contributed $36 billion in revenue. So how does it do that? What exactly is all of that coming from? So it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, the the difference that, that the consumer's making, so the choices that they're making each day uh, to make those purchases. Um, and then that that encourages the landowner to grow that timber into a product. Uh, so, you know, in typical products we have is pulpwood, chipping saw and saw timber, and uh, poles, uh, and then also biomass. So, so we have... We have those products that are that are taken and, and brought to the mills, and then from there they're cut up and, and broken down and, and then taken into the manufacturing sector and turned into paper, turned into cardboard, turned into two-by-fours, you know. So, yeah. so that's that's how that economic engine is, is working each day. So speaking of two-by-fours, we do have very handy folks that listen to the show, and they construct things and build things themselves. And I'm thinking maybe some folks are, you know, headed to the big box stores to get some lumber. So I'm glad that Ed and Marietta called this morning, Ed, uh, with a question about lumber prices. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, yeah. you're calling uh, at the right time because I think Troy's going to have a good answer. So what are you finding, Ed? Well, I just happened to uh, be coming back from Home Depot and caught his <laughs> comments, and I was wondering – if we're planting 50% more trees than we're cutting every year, uh, why have lumber prices tripled in the last 12 months? I'm a part-time builder and a full-time woodworker hobbyist. And uh, in the beginning of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, a typical framing package to build an average size house, like 2,500 to 2,700 feet, would cost about $35,000, and that same package is over 100 now. Wow, it tripled. Yeah, that hurts the po- pocketbook for sure. So Ed noticing that, Troy, in the last 12 months, you know, me not being in the industry at all, I'm just thinking, you know, how much did COVID and the coronavirus affect the, you know, supply chain, or is it a little more in-depth than that? Uh, well, it, it is complicated, uh, I will say, probably did start that issue so with covid you know we had massive shutdowns throughout 
and uh, and the sawmills they shut down as well. Yeah. And when when that occurred, you know, we sent everybody home, and you know, people were looking around at their houses and seeing different jobs that need to be done. So they went ahead and started making purchases to fix their porches or or do home improvements, and uh, that put a real strain. Uh, you know, because the mills were shut down, so the mills they started cranking back up and getting getting going. But then with COVID, they couldn't, they can't, they, and they still can't run at full capacity. So mm-hmm. they're trying to run as safely as they can to protect their employees from COVID. Uh, because if everybody got COVID at the mill, then they would have to shut that mill down. You know, for you know a week or two uh, to quarantine, and then you know starting back ramping back up. Uh, so that that's part of the stressors that you're seeing on on that part of it. Uh, this huge demand came in, um, and then the mills weren't able to run at capacity, and then they spent a lot of time catching up. And then uh, this winter, you've seen a lot of wet weather, yeah. uh, so that impacts the loggers uh, that are providing the wood to the mills because they can they can only work, you know uh in in certain areas under the right conditions uh to be able to haul so so you have uh a complex matter and hopefully you know hopefully we're on the on the back end of covid and we can get back to normal and uh hopefully you'll start to see those those lumber prices coming back more into a normal range that we're used to seeing uh, but that that is what has caused that that lumber spike. That's that's probably the simplest way for me to me to tell you uh, about it. So um, so sending everybody home, the meals shutting down, uh, people taking uh, taking that time to, at home to do their home improvement projects, and that increasing the demand uh, on on that resource. And I mean, just one of the occupations that you know the weather so greatly impacts, right? Oh yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, so, so and and like this year, um, you know, January is extremely wet. February we've been extremely wet, and now we're just starting to dry out. So you know, loggers have been uh, loggers have had to uh, pick and choose where they could work. You know, they try to set up in in the proper places. Uh, you know, during real wet times, you know, you can work in sandier conditions. So you know, they're looking for those sites to where they can they can actually haul that lumber. Uh, I'll haul that timber out to the mills and and so those are those are some of the challenges we face you know and we work with loggers uh, to perform best management practices so that they're you know so that so that we are sustainably managing our forest and uh, best management practices that deals with soil in the water because uh, we want to keep keep all keep the water clean and keep our soils where they're at and stabilized uh, and so anytime you you put a stressor such as the weather on on that uh, uh, it, it just takes more time and effort to uh, to be able to um, bounce back from properly, it, right? yeah, properly provide the meals with what they need. Yeah, such a ripple effect, Ed. That's a great, great question. I'm really glad you called with it. So um, insightful, you know, and, and a very good answer, Troy, as well. Well, Troy, we're wrapping things up here. Uh, Troy Clymer with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Really quickly, I wanted to ask you. Uh, I did a celebrity gardener segment for a lot of the year last year where I tried to bring in, you know, somewhat notable, uh, famous folks and and how gardening and forestry and all that impacts them. I got to tell you, one of the ones that I learned so much from was having Chuck Lavelle, who's right there kind of in middle Georgia uh, in your area, a conservationist and a tree farmer. And yeah, not to mention like keyboardist for the Rolling Stones and the Allman Brothers and so many other groups. But uh, have you had a chance to cross paths with him and kind of 
you know, get to get to know a little bit about his efforts down there? Oh, yes, ma'am, I have. Uh, Chuck's a great supporter for forestry. Uh, he travels all over the nation sharing, sharing the message of forestry, being able to go out on his property and, and meet with him and, and actually uh, walk his land wow. and seeing the great job that he's doing, just like many other landowners throughout the state are doing uh, to manage their land, you know, and, and the impact that, that guys like him and, and that are making, that they're, you know, and uh, all landowners are making every day to, to help our timber resource, uh, which affects so many things from our wildlife to our water resource, uh, to our soil and to our air. So, I mean, it's it's critical the impact that uh, that all our landowners are, are making each day through the management of their properties and their timber resource and and uh, you know just being a part of it and uh, you know I'm just a small part of it and being able to to have the relationships that, that we have and and being able to talk with you and and share our stories uh, and how that impact is throughout the state of Georgia I mean it's it's that's very rewarding in itself and. And uh, just knowing that these landowners are making an impact every day and that I can have a small part in that is, uh, is is pretty awesome. Yeah, and I'm glad, you know, I've got you on, too, kind of getting the word out and educating folks a little bit. Um, not to put you on the spot, but did you know what kind of trees is, is Chuck growing there on the property? Uh, he, he grows a lot of loblolly pine. Okay. Uh, he also has some longleaf pine. And then he's got a corridor down on the river, so he's got some nice hardwoods. Uh, throughout his property as well. So he, he's got a little bit of everything on, on his track okay. of land. Uh, just a very unique property. Well, I've got a, one more caller for you. Are you in for it? Uh, yes, ma'am. Okay, let's uh, let's let's do this then. Jonathan, up next, welcome to Green and Growing. Hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, I appreciate what the uh, Forestry Commission does, uh, especially in the rural parts of the state. I had a couple of questions. Um, they're growing a lot of longleaf timber these days, and uh, is the uh, has there any been any discussion in the uh, forestry community been about uh, giving a premium for the quality of the timber that longleaf is compared to loblolly? Uh, well, that that quality comes from from how you manage your stands uh, from. From the density in, in which you plant the trees when you first put them in the ground and when the, as they grow and then uh, introducing prescribed fires into those stands throughout the years throughout its growth cycle um, so so lo- uh, longleaf um, it, it'll it, it tends to grow more poles and and poles are uh, like your power poles and, and they're they're more valuable so so you they're a longer rotation uh, but through that longer rotation, uh, you're expected to get get more uh, uh, more value out of that timber. And like I said, it's 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 a process. So so if you do poor management at the beginning, at the end, you're going to have a poor quality product. So so the landowner, like I, like I was talking earlier, through your purchases, that gives that landowner the ability to do that management. You know, from paying his taxes on his property. Uh, to to implementing the prescribed burning, to implementing um, herbicide applications is needed uh, to help him grow that that timber into the product uh, that is most valuable, uh, while also taking care of providing good habitat for wildlife, yeah. uh, stabilizing the soil, keeping our water clean, uh, 
purifying our air. So so it all it all plays together. And and like I said, it's it's more about the management of the stand throughout its its life uh, uh, than just throwing a tree in the ground and expecting it to grow up and create a pole uh, or or a piece of saw timber. So um, so so that's a that's me trying to simplify that sure. for you because that's a that's a complicated uh uh question as well and 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 you like i said you just you just don't throw a tree in the ground and expect it to grow up and and hey voila i've got i've got a pole timber tree it, it takes a lot more uh, a lot more thought and a lot more planning and uh, a lot more management right. to a stand to, to create that. Well, Jonathan, Ed, great questions. I really appreciate y'all perking up and uh, calling in for Troy. Well, Troy Clymer with the Georgia Forestry Commission, your time has been invaluable this morning. Thank you. And uh, where can folks find you online, or how can they learn more if they want to kind of continue to educate themselves on all of this? Oh, uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, you can go online to gatrees.org, and uh, on there you can – you can find all kinds of information about uh, Georgia's forest throughout the state, and you can also find contacts for local foresters in your area, uh, local contractors in your area, and local GFC foresters. So we can come out and meet with you and, and discuss your, your issues that you may have on your property to help you manage your land well and get you in touch with the resources you need to to accomplish those objectives. A so, wonderful resource. It. Yeah, thank you, Troy, so much for sticking with us a little longer than we planned, but so much to talk about. We'll have you back. What would be a good time of year? Uh, we can we can probably get into the fall. Okay. You, could, you could have back. All right, I'm my own producer, so I'm going to make that happen. Troy, <laughs> Troy Clymer, thank you so much. It was really good to talk to you this morning. Yes, ma'am. Ms. Ashley, I appreciate you. I hope you all have a great day. Thanks. You too. All right. 404-872-0750. Up next, talking soil tests and some other things you need to do in the landscape this weekend. We'll be right back to Green and Growing on WSB. Good music selection, Jason. I like it. I like it. All right, 47 degrees, a little chilly outside, only a high of 55 today, partly cloudy. It's just going to be kind of overcast, but no precip. That's good. And then sunny skies and highs in the 60s for tomorrow and Monday. Green green, and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, telling you live from the studio, get out there. And today, number one, you can transplant trees and shrubs, and then you can plant new spring flowering shrubs. Look at Pike Nursery for Forsythia, Pittosporum, Rhododendrons, and Azaleas. Number two, start seed indoors for summer veggies. We're kind of getting on the cusp. You need to get that done. Check out a checklist on my Green and Growing Facebook page for what you need to get started. And uh, I have a guest for number three, and I know she recently started her seed indoor, but she's got something for us to do. Mickey Gasaway. Good morning. How are hey. you? It's so good to hear from you. So what is your number three for folks? It's to get your soil test. And there's never I, a bad time of year to do that, right? No, but if you get it, especially if you need some lime, uh, it takes a little while for the lime to, to activate. So that's why I always try to do mine a little earlier than this, but yeah. especially for your vegetable garden. I've been cleaning my vegetable garden out this week, and I thought, oops, i got to get my soil test because I've been putting a lot of um, soil conditioner and stuff like that that's acid. Where so can I, I get a kit? Uh, you can get them at Pike Nurseries. They have them. Um, you can get it at the Extension Service, or you can get it at Pike. Okay. And uh, 
folks can see you at Pike Nursery. Yes, I'm back at Barrett uh, Parkway, so I'm so excited. Well, and uh, so hope everybody comes see me. I love it. We'll definitely be picking your brain. That is a good number three, Mickey. Thank you. Get a soil test done. If you want more information on that, uh, give me a call. Reach out to me on the Facebook page or go to extension.uga.edu. And that right there gives you all the information you need to know. Thanks, Mickey. Taking your calls next, 404-872-0750 on Green and Growing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.